Wednesday here. Time to get you over hump day on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, and we're also going to be joined by Shane Alexander, one of our NFL draft experts from Inside the Pylon. And Mark, you know we're starting to get towards football season when we're talking about SEC media days. I know. I mean, you know, I went to the Colonial Athletic Association Media Day last year in Baltimore, which is an FCS conference, and it was a nice little event, but it's a couple of hours at M&T Bank Stadium, and they kind of get you in and out. SEC Media Day, that's like four days. You've got Paul Feinbaum and the whole um, ESPN SEC conference crew down there covering it live. And who better than our old man down in Alabama, Shane Alexander, to break it down for us? He is about as good as it gets. Shane is now down live in Mobile and ready to give us a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a report. How are you doing, Shane? Guys, it's good to uh, it's good to be with y'all. It's been six eight weeks now since we we checked in together but i'm i'm in mobile i'm uh moved in settled in and living the dream we're pumped man how's uh how's the new spot everything uh going well down there on the coast aside from it raining every two hours somebody forgot to tell me that um i love it the weather's great the rest of the time the water is beautiful the food is delicious um the the bigger question is are you going to have the house in order for next senior bowl when itp descends upon mobile the apartment is spacious. I there just bought a nice, uh, like, sectional couch that kind of goes around the whole room. So plenty of place to crash. Uh, you know, I've, I've told you guys, BYOB and do your own laundry. But other than that, you know, we're ready to roll. If I got to do my own laundry, it's probably a deal breaker. So I'm gonna, I'm holding out for a better deal right now. But we'll continue to chat and see what I can work out of you here. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, the SEC in general. First, I guess, before we start to dig into some specific storylines, I'm curious, just your general thoughts this year. What are some things that you want uh, to focus on or really that you're going to be focusing on uh, at the start of the season as potential year-long stories? Yeah, for the first time in several, several years, I would say the majority of the conference is in uh, you know a little bit of a turnover. They're in flux a little bit. We've got so many new storylines Kirby Smart at Georgia Jim McElwain in year two at Florida Um, we've got Alabama really resetting their offense Um, we've got Texas A&M and Auburn coming into crucial years for the state of their program Uh, we've got Ole Miss going through a potential NCAA violation you know scandal but they've got a lot of talent but there's just a lot of unknown. There's, a, there's hardly any established quarterback. She probably old Mrs. Chad Kelly is the most well known, and Mark's a QB guru, but he's you know he's not a, a big time prospect. So there's a lot of unknown. We know Bama's depth chart is great. We know LSU's depth chart is great, but it takes a team in college. So it's just going to be exciting to see it play out. We I, we're going to make a lot of predictions, but I guarantee you that the SEC teams all have a loss, if not two. Uh, after the SEC title game. This is going to be a year where uh, there's some cannibalism going on in the conference, I think, just because everybody's so young and there's so much turnover. Shane, let's start at the top here with Alabama coming off a national championship. They're actually returning more starters to this year's squad than they are from last year's squad. Do you think they still win out in that SEC West? It's between them and LSU. I was explaining it to a good friend of mine actually earlier today. I think this is a 12-0 defense meaning that it's as deep as it's ever been. It's as top-heavy as it's ever been. Saban can finally do the thing that is so hard to do, which is play smash-mouth and base against those kind of teams, but then play spread defense. 
He's finally got athletes to play spread defense. They'll never play another unit worse than them, meaning there'll never be an offense on the field against them that is as good or better. On the other side, though, that offense is a 9-3 and three offense based on what I know today. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll go 9-3, and three, obviously, but I felt better with Blake Sims and Jake Coker than I currently do with what I know about these quarterbacks. Cooper Bateman's been there a while, but he's never really done anything to win over Saban. We've got Blake Barnett, who was a five-star quarterback last year, but he hasn't done enough to win the job outright yet. Um, and I think there's even less hype or confidence about him coming into the season than there was A.J. McCarron four years ago. The offensive line's going through some turnover. They didn't look great in the A-Day game. Now, I know it's a scrimmage. Uh, and then Cam Robinson coming off his arrest. He's been cleared, but you just never know. And then the last point, which may be the most important, every year since Saban's been there, starting with Glenn Coffey, there's been a primary backup running back who got carries and then was the leader the next year. That didn't happen last year. Now, there's Bo Scarborough on the roster. He's, he's a highly touted guy, but we don't know how good he is. The guy behind him is Damian Harris, a five-star guy, but we don't know how good he is. So there's unknowns on this team. For as good as they are, for as mean guys as they return, today it's a 9-3 and three offense. Now, they can still go 11-1, 12-0, win the East, win the, the college football playoff, but I don't think it's so easy to crown them today as we've done in the past you mentioned uh who'd you have as your second place team there was it lsu lsu and they that game is a de facto playing game for the the college football playoff lsu's you know defense is phenomenal we don't have time to talk about everybody arden key though all american off edge at the end jamal adams an earl thomas like safety maybe uh back there in the defensive secondary Todd Chow at the defensive tackle position is great, and their offense is loaded, loaded. It's all about Brandon Harris, their quarterback, how he and Cam Cameron, the offensive coordinator, team up and, and gel and, and uh, are efficient. But, yeah, that's a national championship contender team right there. The winner of that game between them and Bama makes a playoff, in my, in my opinion. Now, Shane, this time last year, there were lots of people out in the sort of sports media, Twitter world, that were extolling the praises of one Jeremy Johnson down the road in uh, Auburn. I'm not going to name names right now, but I yeah, got to ask. Is, <laughs> but I got to ask: Is he even going to win the job down there? No, I think it's going to be John Franklin, the third uh, transfer coming in. He's a Gus Malzahn quarterback. You know, we we looked at Nick Marshall three years ago and thought, "How the heck is this guy going to be good?" He's a transfer. He's a quarterback convert, but he ran Gus's system. And John Franklin is the closest quarterback on that depth chart that can do Gus Malzahn's system justice. And if Gus Malzahn is going to be the coach in 2017, he has to get back to Gus Malzahn football offensively in 2016. I like Sean White, the other quarterback down there. I think if he have went to another system, he'd already be starting. I like Jeremy Johnson. I watched him in high school as a senior. I know the kid's got talent. But I think Franklin is the guy that will get the snap. Uh, if not week one, heading into week two after they got it played out, I think he'll be the guy. Shane, in terms of you know some of these other teams, and as we start to uh, you know look out there, so, some of the teams that maybe were at the bottom of either division last year, any teams that you see potentially making a leap up uh, into contention that may have struggled and their fan bases might have uh, you know been a little bit downtrodden over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's Texas A and M. They've they've went through a lot of quarterbacks since Menzel, and I think that there is some. Uh, there's been some negativity around the program, but Kevin Sumlin's contract is guaranteed. I saw a tweet today from Andy Staples. If they fired Kevin Sumlin, 
they'd have to pay him $15 million within the first 60 days of firing. He's not going anywhere. So there's stability there. They've got Trevor Knight, who beat, Oklahoma, or excuse me, beat Alabama a couple years ago with Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. I don't think that was a fluke. Um, I know I talk a lot about NFL prospects. I don't care about his prospects. I think he can be a good quarterback in this system. Defensively, they're finally really loaded. Miles Garrett may be the number one pick in the draft at defensive end. Um, Daylon Mack, the nose tackle, is probably the best interior rusher in college football. And then they've got Armani Watts at safety. And as far as receivers goes, we haven't talked about it in the last two years because of that quarterback situation. But they may have the deepest receiver in core in college football, Ricky Seals-Jones, Spinney Noel, Josh Riddles. I think they're going to click. I think they're going eight, nine games. Um, maybe even get up to that 10 after the bowl. But I think Texas A&M is going to have a good year and rebound off, for a, off of a disappointing um, 2015. Shane, looking at this SEC East, is this the year Tennessee finally breaks through? It should be. I don't think it will be. I think Georgia's going to win that division. Uh, I think Florida could win that division. Luke Del Rio, all he has to do is be the Greg McElroy uh, for Florida um, that he had under Jim Mac- that he was under Jim McElwain. Excuse me, I said that backwards. Jim McElwain coached Greg McElroy to be a game-managing winning quarterback. He can do the same for Luke Del Rio. If Luke Del Rio gets that job done, Florida's going to win a lot of football games. If you look at Georgia, Jacob Eason coming in as a true freshman, he's like Matt Stafford in build and in arm strength, but he's, he's not as much of a gunslinger yet. I think he'll be more disciplined, and that defense under Kirby Smart is going to be lights out. I think he can win the division. If you're picking them to, you have every right to. I might still, but I doubt it. I think I'm going to go with Georgia, but I think this is going to be good. Good may not be good enough because there's a lot of pressure on that team. So an eight, nine win season may not be good enough. They're very talented, but I, I just think that Georgia or Florida will find a way in that division. What stands out to you most about that Georgia team? I like the collective. I like the collective of it. I like the defense. It's already got guys there. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, who was the defensive coordinator there previously, he's a saving guy. They run a very similar system defensively. Um, and Kirby Smart's just going to bring guys, you know, bring his philosophy over and, and ingrain them more so. So they're going to play good defense. Offensively, of course, Nick Chubb coming back is huge. And I think he will be 100% come week one. Their, their wide receivers are good enough. And I really just believe in this Jacob Eason kid. I'm not, I'm not ready to call him a future first round pick or, you know, even giving Josh Rosen hype, the kid from UCLA. But I just think he's going to be good enough. Georgia's always an eight, nine, you know, 10 win team. You think about the issues Florida has. Um, you think about the issues that Tennessee has as far as closing out games and knowing how to win. Kirby knows how to win. And I just think that they're too good uh, to not be a nine, 10 win team. And you win one of those two games against Tennessee or Florida, you probably win the division. So, um, I just trust Kirby Smart, and I like the, the depth and the collective talent that they've got. Shane, Missouri brings back pretty much their entire defensive front seven. Is there a chance that the Tigers could make some noise in that SEC East and maybe challenge Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee for that top spot? I hate to shoot the question down, but I don't think so. You know, they're, they're missing their head coach. Gary Pinkle is gone now. The offense, I think, is going to take a little bit of, uh, of retooling. The defense and Charles Harris, the defensive edge rusher, I know a lot of people like good prospect, but in that division, um, they're, they're going to be one of those teams that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, the cannibalism nature of the SEC. I don't think they're going to have a terrible year. They'll finish, I think, maybe above above uh, maybe South Carolina, maybe Kentucky in that, in that area with Vanderbilt, who's going to be the overachiever division, I think. 
Um, but I don't think it's enough to, to overcome the big three. In terms of you know looking at the uh, the overall picture between both of the of the divisions at this point, you know you mentioned look the, the West you're pretty much still looking at uh, as effectively the de facto uh, team that is going to be competing. Whoever comes out of the West is going to be that team likely competing for the national championship. How close are some of these teams in the East? Are we talking? Uh, you know, one, two recruiting classes away, or are we still talking about a full cycle away for some of these top teams in the East now? No, I think the top three teams in the East are one cycle away, if they do it right. Uh, Georgia, one more class to be really competitive as far as, I don't think they're an SEC title contender yet, even if they win the division. One more class, maybe they, they get in there. Um, Florida is a year ahead of Georgia. With Jim McElwain, I think they just got to figure out their quarterback position, and then Tennessee is there. They've got they finally got depth. They've they've got some they've got starters all across the board. They got future pros. One more cycle should get one of those teams um, into that preseason top ten hype. Uh, probably the winner of the division this year, but they're not as far off I think as the perception would would think. Um, I think all three of those teams are better than A and M, who I would pick third in the West, but. It's really just going to come – We, you guys know this, the fickle nature of college football. If you start losing and, and hype you know, declines and, and guys get fired, of course your program hits the reset button. Yep. If all of these programs can maintain, they're, they're one year away, I think, from, from maybe continuing on a national level. Shane, you know i got to ask a quarterback question because that's what I do. The great Absolutely. Phil Steele is out with his, his incredible uh, college football preview. It's, it's a great magazine. Love I Phil. highly recommend that people pick it up. He's got his preseason SEC teams, teams one, two, three, and four. And he's got Chad Kelly as his first-team quarterback. Joshua Dobbs yep. is his second-team quarterback. Trevor Knight, the transfer, is his third-team QB. And then the freshman you talked about, Jacob Eason down in Georgia, as his fourth-team preseason SEC quarterback. Any quibbling mm-hmm. with those rankings? No, I, I don't love Chad as a, as a NFL draft prospect as of now. But a, uh, as a but college player, most- though. Yeah, but as a college player, yeah. Uh yeah. he's clearly the class of the of the uh of the conference. Gunslinger, just like Bo Wallace was the the quarterback there before him at yep. Ole Miss. But he can make plays with his feet. He he's got a big arm on him. Um Trevor Knight's a sleeper there. I really think he can have a good season. And I I'm rooting for him too. I think um and I think he's a good college player. Outstanding. Well Shane, we are pretty much uh pretty much out of time here, but we've I think Covered just about conference, just about every team there. That it's pretty awesome stuff. Not bad. And I know uh, we're just getting started. I know we've got some plans for you, getting things fired up over the next month or two. And uh, you know, we're pretty excited. I can tell you that much. I mean, the big time teaser right there. Look, look, we got SEC football coming, and Shane Alexander's going to be a part of it. That's all I know. Yeah, someone told me there may be a podcast where I could be talking. Maybe once or twice a week. Well, no, you're talking on football. our podcast, right? You, you, that's all we're talking about. We're we're just talking oh, about ours, it. right? That's sure. right. That's, there's, I can I cannot confirm or deny an inside pylon takeover. Well, we never can confirm or deny. Usually, once you start doing that, the takeovers, you know, you're included in it. So. In any case, Shane, I uh, certainly I know Mark and I both appreciate you joining us, and uh, we will get you back real soon. And uh, you know, keep us informed as to your plans later on uh, this summer. We're uh, curious to see what you got going on. All right. Absolutely, always a uh, pleasure to be on, guys. You got it, buddy. Shane Alexander from Inside the Pylon talking about the SEC. We are wrapped for today. 
Coming up tomorrow, we're talking with another Inside the Pylon writer. Justin Twell is going to be joining us from where? Australia, because they even have American football down there. He's going to be talking to us about his experiences with football as well as starting to do a little bit of NFC North talk. That's coming up tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast with Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield.